Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Yeah, sounds kind of weird, but I have a bit of a housekeeping to do at the beginning of this episode. For starters, uh, there's been a delay in the episodes because I'm making two at the same time since I asked um, you guys, what do you want to hear about? The Belarus border incident? Or some history episode once again, and uh, history episode this month is going to be about Holodomor. Stalin series are back, which is something that a lot of you really wanted to. And then we're gonna get back to the Soviet Technic and, you know, all the tanks and, and planes and whatnot. But yeah, I have finally done this since it is Holodomor Memorial Month and uh, that induced famine was pretty bad. That's the other episode that's coming out in, I guess, today too, or maybe tomorrow, I don't know, in the following days. But yeah, this one's going to be about Belarus. Second thing is, um, hi to everyone from Hardcore History Forums. I'm really happy since, turns out, I've reached a new level in my podcasting sphere. I got a mail saying that uh, I'm in the top half percent of world's podcasts by, by some metrics. I don't know, they, they sent me this on Listen Base or something, and I felt very honored. And uh, yeah, I posted about this on Twitter, and wow, uh, that, was, that was really nice since, um, since Dan, because of whom, you know, I started this whole show on his forums by making blog posts, and he told me to do a show, and then I met him in person in Harvard in the first sound education conference, and and I gave him a Latvian brooch made of silver from our old interwar period country five lot coins, and that was kind of the, you know, my, my, my best day of my life so far. And I'm still here, uh, and uh, yeah, this, this is crazy, because, well, if you're listening to this and you're new to the show, yeah, this is uh, the moment when I um, finally feel like I've achieved something, you know? And, uh, yeah, we've had two interviews with Dan Carlin. You could probably look them up. Our website's down at the moment because we are finally completing all the upgrades. Latvia had a massive COVID lockdown. Nothing really worked for a whole month since we had very low vaccination rates. And so the guys who host this just now moved the show to another server since we wanted to do a shop upgrade. And that required PHP 7. And then they lagged for like a month of moving the whole show to another server. This is finally done now. But they also need to do the access code thing. I don't know. I'm not our software guy. So, well, once my buddy Viestors gets all of his passwords, we're doing that. That's when you'll finally be able to get the shirts and everything. And uh, our webpage is going to be much more smoother and nicer. 
I hope that this will actually happen by the time you hear this episode, but no promises. Certainly by the by the next episode, definitely. Finally, to be honest, because it, it just ended on 15th of December. And um, also, I want to do a little thing that I promised. I promised this to your dad, but um, <clears throat> this is what we do sometimes, because we're nice. Hello, Aiden. Your dad probably have, you know, told uh, you about what's going to happen, but hi, Aiden. You're awesome. And uh, I just want to say that journalism is a noble and ridiculously nerve-wracking profession. But, you know, your dad told me that you've got the calling for it, and uh, I can tell you, it'll wreck your nerves. You'll probably drink a lot more coffee than you should, and there are going to be days when you feel terrible and everything, but it's worth it. You can't let go of journalism, Aiden. And I want to quote my inspiration for doing everything myself. Spider Jerusalem from the Transmetropolitan comics, which served as my inspiration. And again, that was written based on Hunter S. Thumps, which also served as my inspiration. And and in that comic book, which is excellent, and you should read it, like Spider says, you're miserable, edgy, and tired. You're in the perfect mood for journalism. That is, by the way, uh, is a quote which I keep uh, next to me. It's on my mouse pad. So, Aiden, hey, if you want to do anything journalism-related, and uh, hey, maybe if you want to you know, grab an interview or have a chat, then uh, bang us up, and young Aiden, you have the full blessing of the eastern border. I really hope your dad told you about this, because right now you're probably a bit shocked, which is quite nice. And the second thing which I also promised to do is that there's a show, I don't know if they're a listener of mine, probably are, since, well, I checked them out. They only have 10 episodes for now, but there is a show called The History of the Russian Empire, of the peoples of the Russian Empire, and uh, this guy is doing kind of a huge recounting of, you know, everything happening basically throughout the Russian Empire. The Russian Empire History Podcast, that's how it's called. It has a bit of a long homepage, the Russian Empire History Podcast.com, but he's doing everything from the step, from the Bronze Age, like more or less very ancient stuff, which I would like to cover at some point. And when I will, I'll probably call him on the show. But, uh, well, you know, he's doing everything from the very beginning, and I think he's now into, like, still the early periods. But, hey, I, well, he follows me on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure that this New Zealand guy actually listens to our show. So, hey, go check out the Russian Empire History Podcast. I listened to a couple of episodes. Well, he's starting out, but he's pretty good. I like him. I like the show. And hey, like I said, I have to do history episodes, I'm doing Soviet stuff, but if you want to get into the like, really deep things, then it's, it's kind of crazy. His logo on Twitter is also epic. And in other recommendations, obviously, I have to mention how the Red Line podcast has made an episode of Baltic States, which is another excellent thing that I recommend. But yeah, housekeeping out of the way, uh, let's get on to the Belarus part. And then, well, like I said, you're also getting the Stalin series update very soon. Let's talk about the fact that about 12 people, maybe more, have died on that border stuff. Yeah, that's the important part to remember that, you know, we all might have different feelings about whether or not these migrants should be allowed to enter the EU and how they're being used as tools. And you might like them, you might not like them, depending on your political views or just, you know, how you feel about life. But... You still have to remember that they are still living people. And 12 deaths are 12 deaths too many. I mean, I would like 
everything to go smoothly, of course, and, and people taking the proper routes, and that, you know, <laughs> I, for one, am in the position that if you want to help a country, then you should probably shouldn't have got yourselves involved in the Middle East in the first place, right? And let them sort things out, and I don't know, maybe give them some humanitarian aid or whatever, and help them rebuild so that we wouldn't have those migrants in the first place. Because, well, for one, nations here are uh, more or less nation-states. We were not built by migrants, we're kind of in Eastern Europe, at least in Poland, and here in the Baltics, where it's kind of like, you know, we're the native people here, we're the First Nations, and after so many times of being conquered and occupied and everything, we, we kind of want to get left alone a bit, you know. However, they are real people, and those are real issues. So I think, well, at least in this part, maybe some responsibility should be divided. But again, these are political opinions, and, and they can be controversial, and they can be debated and argued against, and I hope that everyone who's listening to this show knows that uh, I'm not a stickler, and I won't die over an ideology at all, no. And these are harsh issues, but what needs to be remembered is the fact that those are real people that we're talking about. No matter what you think about them, they're still people. And they're still suffering. And that's the real tragedy here. In some cases, you know, you can't let someone in and that's a political thing, but, well, something should be done with this. And all of the situation on the Belarusian border just shows the attitude that Lukashenko has towards the people. Well, well, we shouldn't be really surprised, though, because if you think about it, Lukashenko has um, kidnapped a plane, used water cannons on his own peaceful protesters, including old 17-year-old ladies. Lukashenko right now is trying to show to his own people, I'll go over the, the three main points here before I get into all the details, which you probably want to hear. First of all, what Lukashenko is doing is a threefold thing, because he views all of this as super advantageous to him. Number one, there's always the talks about Belarusian unification with Russia. There's always there, and they technically signed a deal back in 1993, about how they all become a single country, okay? Lukashenko has been president all this time, but um, although absorption, which was so far in time at that point, yeah, that's coming closer every time. On the one hand, Lukashenko needs the Russian money because he's let the Belarusian economy go down the drain, absolutely. On the other, he really doesn't want to lose power, because if Belarus becomes just another republic of Russian Federation, then, yeah, tough luck staying in power, Lukashenko. You'll probably have to retire, and then you'll, you know, mysteriously disappear by, um, you know, drinking the wrong soda while in the airplane or something like that. But, but Lukashenko wants to stay in power. He wants to show Putin that he's a player, too. And Putin needs this reunification, because just like with Crimea and all the other stuff, Putin's got his own internal problems. I mean, he's not that popular anymore, and he wants to show great victories for the Russian people and all that stuff. So, what's Lukashenko doing? He's making Belarus a bit more toxic, so that to show Putin that he has some leverage over the fact that, you know, Belarus can't. We can't join Russia right now. I have to stay in power. You have to help us out. How will we join if there is a migrant crisis and we are under sanctions and everything's going weird? You know, that's that's kind of a way, because Russia has its own problems, like a lot of them. So uh, they they probably kind of don't want to get involved that much. Even though at the same time, Lukashenko has literally asked Putin to bring strategic bombers to the Polish border for scouting missions. And then you have to wonder, why would you ever in your life want to scout with the strategic bombers? Oh yeah, and Putin brought the strategic bombers to the border. 
and made exercises there. And now there are troops there near them and Ukrainian border, and no one knows what's up because Putin might use this crisis to actually invade Ukraine, but that's for another episode. However, this is the reason why the current United States administration is actually very concerned about invasion of Ukraine, because Belarus and Ukraine do share a border. And now they're in Belarus near the Russian border, somewhere between sandwich between Polish and Ukrainian border. Uh, there are a bunch of Russian forces, and it's pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. The second benefit from Lukashenko doing all of this is the fact that he's trying to portray all but unsuccessfully because no one believes him, but, you know, he's a mad dictator, so he kidnapped a MiG that was flying over from Israel to Lithuania, so he's not a rational agent. By no means. He shouldn't be treated as such. And um, he never playing there. So he wants to show his own people, and I watch Belarusian news channels too. That is the ORT on YouTube, which just spews out Belarusian propaganda constantly. And I started watching them a long time ago since I watched the kind of trivia game, and they have a Belarusian edition, which is pretty good. I like uh, those mind games and stuff. But then um, on the YouTube channel, I watch all the time where they basically air air Lukashenko's propaganda constantly, and that's a bit scary. And his main message is the fact that look at all the Polish people, they're evil, they don't care about the migrants' lives, they don't care about anything. You know, he just wants to show that, okay, sure, you, you hate me about being a bad person, well, look at all those uh, European people, they're, they're terrible per people too, they don't care. Because Lukashenko's TV is right now full with starving dead migrants and all that stuff, and, uh, and yeah, it's a weird thing, but he's just using this to show in his own country, trying to prop up his power somehow, although I highly doubt anyone will, um, will buy that, that Poland and EU are terrible evil people and only Lukashenko can protect them from it. And the third part is obviously revenge. Revenge against the Poles and uh, to an extent the Lithuanians. And I made a story about how we had our own migrant crisis in Latvia and how that went away for a bit. But I guess it's all because, you know, now we have a response. Why did these people move away from the Latvian border? Because they were just dragged together and driven to, towards Poland. You know, they checked this out and, and found out that, oh, oh, looky here. You can't get the migrants on this border. Uh, find it. Let's move it elsewhere. So those are the three main motivations here. This is for the mostly the people who already follow this whole situation, but those are Lukashenko's motivations, and I still don't know how will this pan out. I wanted to put this in first because you have to understand in context how everything is being perceived by Lukashenko himself just before we um, get into the you know ins and outs of the whole situation. But if you want to be here for the analysis, then, well, this is probably it. These are one of the three cases. And, of course, there is a fourth and more sinister situation here where, um, if you remember how Russia does things often, it's the fact that, well, the uh, invasion of Crimea and the things happening in Donbass happened just after the Sochi Olympics. So Putin likes to do things in a distracting manner, even though he, the fact that he has spotted with all his forces by the United States military... Yeah, that alone kind of puts it off, because he doesn't like to do anything military-related to places which have been actually prepared for it. I think that at least all the uh, attention going on around here, well, yeah, it kind of propped up Putin's plans. But I think in this case, in this very specific case, that's a conspiracy theory, because I don't believe that Putin really had anything to do with this at all since Lukashenko is just trying to, again, hold on to his power and not get absorbed into Russia. So, 
with all that out of the way, we got our motivations. Oh, let's talk about uh, the weirdness on the border there. Hello there, and thanks for tuning in into another episode of the Eastern Border. Have you ever wanted to have a one-on-one -on -one live session with Kristaps? Then listen up. The Eastern Border is trying out the new and exciting app called Wisdom. On the 11th of December, Kristaps will be waiting for you on the Wisdom app to answer any of your questions about the show or the Eastern Border, or to simply have a chat. Look out for more details on the Eastern Border social media and mark the date, the 11th of December, on the Wisdom app. See you online! This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So, the long story short for everyone who hadn't been informed previously about what exactly is happening on the Polish-Belarusian border. Because, you know, I really thought I should start with an explanation before I get to the facts, because I guess you probably heard all of them. For starters, after the whole incident with the MiG fighter plane hijacking kind of the civilian transport plane just so that Lukashenko could get his political opponent, a journalist, no less... Yeah, after that, a lot of airlines have stopped working with Belarusian airlines, a lot of airports too. So there are almost no direct flights anywhere. But there's still airlines in Belarus, and they have to make money somehow. So they devised a cunning plan, so to speak, and their plan involves um, human trafficking. Yeah, no, I don't know how to put this nicer. It's, it's human trafficking. So what they do is that they offer direct flights from Minsk, the Belarusian capital, to Iraq and Syria and, you know, other countries of the region. So, there are stories about Belarusian agents, Belarusian KGB. They still call it KGB, okay? And they're going around and offering people kind of for money because, again, due to sanctions, the Russian government are running out of hard cash. They have their own ruble, but that's not very stable, and their currency is... Um, kind of worthless, so they need to have some dollars to do business, or euros, or whatever. Still, so they need some currency which is, you know, actually worth something. So they offer these people, mostly young men from very rich families, which is a great point, because for one, Poland doesn't consider them refugees. Because, yeah, why would you want to come there? And we've heard a lot of interviews where a lot of these people there, they state that Oh, well, my wife lives in Great Britain for 10 years already, and, and my kids live in Germany, and now I hate Poland, and I hate everything about Poland, so I want to move through Poland to Germany. 
mostly Germany, basically, and other countries as well. So it's not really just an Eastern European problem, because those people don't want to stay in Poland. They just want to move through to the EU. And they're also not that poor or anything, because um, they're 90% young, strong men who could afford the prices which range, range somewhere between 3,000 to 10,000 euros. And if they were seeking asylum, you know, you couldn't really find anyone who would um, want to escape the terrible situation. Of, of course, there are children and women, too, amongst them, but uh, very few of them. And they've all been granted tourist visas in Belarus. All of them. Belarus is notorious. For example, if you want to travel through them, say, want to take a bus or a train to Ukraine, or anywhere else, for that matter, you have to go through a quite a lengthy process from EU to even pass through, and they'll charge you for it. Transit is one of the things that Belarus makes money from. Other thing is um, kind of helping Putin to counter his own sanctions, because Belarus is a landlocked country, However, they get shrimp and salmon and um, Parmesan cheese in Russia because it's um, basically brought into Belarus from European Union and then repackaged as being Belarusian products. Yeah, famous Belarusian shrimp and salmon, right? So Belarus makes money basically by being a kind of a rogue nation state, so to speak. Then they have IT guys, but IT guys basically left Belarus after August, after the failed elections and... All this weird stuff. And, uh, well, you know, it's kind of weird since, like I said, um, Polish helicopters even hovered over this whole scene of all the migrants where they loudly chanted Germany, Germany as their desired destination. It seems kind of hard to believe that people who are sitting at the border throwing rocks and trying to break the country's laws will try to actually adapt to their new home country, if you think about it. Poland's not protecting themselves at this point. Protect Poland's protecting Western Europe from a bunch of people who are clearly not refugees. I refuse to call them refugees, they're migrants. And you have to go through proper procedures to become one. I mean, I had my own weird studies with that when, when I was in that phase of my life, but, um, but it's a difficult process, right? And if Germany wants to take them in, yeah, why don't they pick them up in that case? That's a whole another issue, because th there's a lot of fault in Western European countries, in my opinion, for even, you know, cutting up the Ottoman Empire as they did after the end of World War One. And I'm sure the pe people who've listened to Dan Carlin's episodes about World War One, the blueprint for Armageddon, which I highly recommend, you already know how the Middle East was split up, basically not based on national lines or anything like that. It was based upon who gets which oil post. So this is why they have all the conflicts between all the Middle Eastern countries. Because, yeah, it's it was always a minority group in the country put in charge of a majority country, and all these people on the Russian border, for the most part, are the Kurdish people who, who didn't even get their country. And it's a mix between Shia and Sunni Muslims, they've lived in oppressive countries because those countries were made as puppet states by design, and due to the fact that United Nations have basically stated that the borders can't change, and now they want to uphold the stability in the region, old governments of the Europe, they did a terrible, terrible thing by even messing in these affairs. But what Lukashenko has done is KGB agents there have just gone there, picked up some people, taken their cash, granted them tourist visas, and then, you know, over a thousand people basically have been just driven towards the Polish border. They're being 
coerced and enforced to go through the Polish border. They're not even being allowed to shop in stores. All these people, as one, state that they were vetted and they got interviews with Belarusian KGB agents. Then they were brought to Minsk, where they stayed in a hotel for a week or so. And then they were happily driven in army trucks towards the border. And we were told, well, you can cross there. Hell, I mean, social media helps them. Because there are telegram canals in Arabic giving the instructions where to gather, what to do, and how to basically recreate the border crisis of 2015 to force everyone else to take them in. To create mass influx. And a Shvan Kurd, a 33-year-old man from Iraq, told BBC that he was among those who were already in the forest. And he said, quote, Everyone came to one place. Many people came because of social media posts. And um, the social media and telegram canals said that a large crowd, they reckoned, would be impossible to ignore. For those in Belarus, thousands of people have gathered to create a mass influx. The social media posts and telegram that they spread amongst each other says, The refugees, although I won't call them refugees, they're migrants, said, let's repeat 2015. They're all doing this, and uh, it's kind of crazy. And social media, uh, by the way, also run by Belarusian special forces and KGB, who are just there to incite all of them, quotes, they said we must do that thing again so the world will see us. We want to show the world how many people we are. Everyone is waiting for Germany to take action. Yeah, that's a thing. This is not a spontaneous randomness. This is a planned action to disrupt things, to create a crisis, and to play with people's lives. A lot of people have died due to exposure, because um, let me remind you that uh, us up here, up and eastward of the Western world, yeah, it's cold here. (laughs) It's going to start snowing soon. They come from Middle East. I highly doubt any of them have even experienced temperatures in the negatives of Celsius in their lives. This is going to be horrid if nothing gets done. We're looking at 12 deaths now. Oh boy, we're going to have so much more once the winter hits in. They are not used to our winters. I can go outside in minus 25 degrees Celsius, which is about minus 30 Fahrenheit and feel comfy. I highly doubt they are. Also, well, uh, there's a reason why, for example, in Norway, um, the people who move there from deep south are being told to, you know maybe go outside in the sun and walk around more often than usual because we get way less vitamin D from the sunlight than anywhere else. Which is why also Norwegians who travel to that areas are being told to, you know, cover their faces because they might get skin cancer. It's just regional differences. It is cold here and windy and rainy and Belarus-Poland border is a swamp. So, yeah, it's not going to be fun for anyone. But yeah, so these people have been driven there, and also they're given cutting tools to cut open the border, because they have been like multiple incidents where they've chopped off the fences, and they have been met by water cannons and arrests and everything. The lucky ones, by the way, get taken to Polish hospitals, and they're the lucky ones. They also kind of want to get repatriated as soon as possible, because um, those people who've given interviews, they admit that what they're going through now is basically hell, because they have been stuck there. Some of them from mid-October. That's a fun idea. They've been given tools by the Belarusian authorities to cut through the wires. They've been given flashbangs. They've been given smoke grenades. This is not a spontaneous action, like I said. This is an orchestrated act of state-sponsored terrorism. This is what I would call kind of, you know, people call it hybrid war. 
I wouldn't call it hybrid war at all because there is no hybrid thing here. What Belarus is doing, Lukashenko in particular, is just gambling with people's lives, disregarding their needs, and honestly speaking, tricking them. Some of the migrants have openly stated that Belarus spreads misinformation in the countries where they came from, mostly Iraq though, that, uh, no, 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 it's all okay, the Polish people will let everyone in, and it's totally fine. A lot of people even state that their relatives don't even believe them when they send them back messages via Telegram or otherwise about how the horrid situations are. And the Polish people, you know, uh, that's a nice little historical connotation, but um, they've been kind of underappreciated throughout history, I'd say. And uh, after all, uh, the biggest credit must be given to Poland for... I don't know, Siege of Vienna. Then if you look again, you'll, you'll see how they uh, stopped Trotsky's Red Army from just rolling over more things and stopped their invasion in the tracks when, you know, they uh, got their independence back and all that stuff. So, this is a tragic situation. There are people who are migrants and they just want to lead better lives. And, you know, I can approve of that. Everyone wants to lead better lives. However... This region, this this region as a whole is, well, not uh, not a very immigrant-based nation, so to speak. We've had our fair share of immigrants. They normally used to conquer us and rule over us, and uh, we have a bit of a painful memory about that part. And also, as you might have noticed, I uh, and I'm pointing at the Western countries for causing this whole mess. Both um, people of our region not enjoying a bunch of people coming over, and for them, you know, not doing enough, and uh, Lukashenko is just a monster. A monster who thrives on people's suffering, and he doesn't care about all these people who are there one bit. Because, you know, it's easy to point anyone as migrants, like I said at the beginning, but you gotta remember, they are real people. They have hopes and dreams and aspirations, and they might think differently than I do, and they may come from a different region than I do. However, they're real people, and their suffering is very real. And, uh, Although I might not be very enthusiastic about the fact that we should let everyone in our country, because that has never uh, ended poorly for the Baltic states or, or Poland or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, except it totally has. That was sarcasm. We still shouldn't allow them to die. And if this isn't solved, then trust me on this one. They're going to get more desperate. It's going to get more violent. We have Russian strategic bombers on the border. And there's going to be a lot more deaths. A lot. Since, like I said, it's got to get cold. Very cold. <laughs> so this is um, a weird thing, and one other thing that when I pointed is that the um, inability of European Union to act in this case is a bit concerning, since, well, the EUPR wants to look like the ultimate good guys. They're against building any border fences or doing restrictions or even doing some hardcore actual damage to Lukashenko's regime. Why? Because, you know, it's um, kind of like in that new show, uh, what was it called? Inside Job or something. Didn't like many of the episodes, but I kind of liked about this one recently uh, was, this one, one of the last episodes, they got an ethics bot and they're kind of a shadow conspiracy that in the world, but ethics bot just blows up because you can't really run and play this game of geopolitics without getting your hands dirty. And Lukashenko's now well, as you can see, he's just crossed so many lines that I highly even doubt that he has many more that he could possibly even cross in the future. Yeah, this is uh, probably not going anywhere, and I'll keep you updated in case of anything moving here or something. 
Lukashenko has partially won already, by the way. He had a nice 15-minute talk with Angela Merkel on the phone. And that, that kind of saddens me because, you know, we, we are ready to trade for anything. But on the other hand, I'd rather, I'd rather live in a country which is ready to, you know, give up some stuff and trade and be diplomatic instead of blatantly ignoring people's lives. We had that experience, too. Uh, both with uh, the trading part and ignoring the people's lives part. That's a whole uh, quite sad story here. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the happy episode of this week, because now, now I'm turning to record Holodomor. That's uh, always a fun subject. Anyways, this was about Belarus, and uh, yeah, this is recorded at the same time as the Holodomor episode, so for that historical one, uh, yeah, stay tuned, and again, thanks to everyone for listening. До свидания, товарищ. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.